Welcome back to another edition of Scoreline Extra with myself Sinead Kyo. Lots and lots of sporting action over the weekend and lots of interviews on Scoreline as well between Saturday and Sunday. First up we're going to hear from Michael Walsh, manager of Dixborough after their victory over the village on Saturday. Now I'm joined by Dixborough manager Michael Walsh after his side defeated James Stevens in the City Derby earlier today. A game, of course, we broadcasted live on KCLR. They won on a scoreline of 2-12 to 14 points. I'm delighted to say that Michael is on the line. Michael, a really good win today. How would you assess your side's performance? Yeah, I suppose today, like the weather, the weather changed. I suppose, and that bit of free flowing hurling we had in the last few matches didn't really happen today, and. Of course, you're playing a derby as well. It's it's never easy. So, look at it. Overall, you'd be happy to win, definitely, and uh, you'd be happy with the commitment levels. But we had an off day in front of the post today. There's no doubt about that. We missed several chances. But look, that's the way it is. We've played five matches. We've won four. So, we move on now to a shield final and, and prepare for the championship. But, you know, today we have loads to work on, and that's that's always good as well. We missed, We had too many ways altogether, especially in the second half. Is today a game like today where there's not an awful lot um, riding on it really, Michael? Is it a good time for management to really see where you can sharpen up and kind of, you know, you, as you mentioned there, you missed a couple of chances. That's something to work on heading into a Shield final and championship. Yeah, look, at it, it, it totally is. Like, some, you know, sometimes you can get carried away with yourself. But today, you know, we've been going quite well since the first match. But, you know, there's always room for improvement. And today, a game like today brings you back down to earth. Now, look at those derby matches are you know I've been involved with them for so many years either watching and playing or, or, or being on the sideline as it was today and they're just so tough they just they just take on a leaf of their own there's a lot of even though there was, there's not a stake you still have it's the border versus the village or village or Lachlan's, whoever it is they're still going to be uh, hard to win them and uh, as I said to you the commitment levels from, from the lads are really strong and they're working very hard and as I said to you sometimes it's no harm to be going into the championship with, with lots of things to work on and we certainly have and a really strong league campaign obviously concluded with that victory against the Village today, Michael. Are you kind of happy with where the team is at heading into Championship? We know that Championship hurling is completely different different kettle of fish to the league, but following that first round defeat to Bennis Bridge, you've really responded well and are probably amongst many people um, one of the favourites now to try and go on and, and at least make a challenge for the County Championship. Well, I'd say anyone looking at us today wouldn't make us favourites for too much, <laughs> uh, to be honest, Robbie. But um, yeah, I look at as regards the the panel of players and and uh, the setup that that they're they're trying to get the best out of one another. They're absolutely brilliant. They're they're putting in huge effort, as I'm sure every team is. But you know, we know now that the, the step up is coming again, and we have to be really ready for that. So we need to really go in. The good thing, I suppose, is we have we have next week free, and then we're playing the shield final the following week. So we really need to work hard now, especially on our finishing. But look at our overall levels of commitment; they're very strong and you'll be happy with that but as I said to you uh, in three weeks time it's the real thing and we have to be really ready for that um, The Shield final you won't know your opponents yet it'll be one of Clara Tullerone or Ballyhale Shamrocks depending on results tomorrow of course how do you as a manager and how do the players look ahead to a Shield final like that because as you said the three weeks time is to start the championship and that's when the real hurling begins I suppose but is the Shield final another chance a bit like today maybe to assess where things are at and sharpen up and maybe hit your peak heading into the uh, county championship quarter final 
Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, look, we've used we've used twenty four or five players so far. Um, we, you know, young Sean Mar came on today for his debut, and we've a lot of young lads have, have been integrated into the panel, and they're doing very well. So, like, um, it's definitely, you know, we have a few more lads that maybe we'd like to see as well before we get to championship. So maybe that that would be the chance to see. We'll we'll see. We played by year. A lot, of, you know, we we've we judged off the training ground and see how things were going there. And as I said, there's a healthy rivalry in in, in that uh, setup, and uh, we just. Just keep working hard. That's all we can do. You know, it's 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 it's. I know it's you know a cliche, but nothing else is, is any good. Like in fairness, you know, in, in the last ten minutes today, we were under a small bit of pressure and we came up with some very good balls. So all those things are positives. But as I said, yeah, we need to sharpen up all over the field, and uh, that's that's our job now over the next few weeks. And just before I let you go, Michael, obviously you've been involved to huge success really in the underage setups in the club um, over the last couple of years. Manager of the senior team this year, how much on a personal level have you enjoyed it so far? <laughs> um, I know, look, it's, I'll tell you, it's, lovely, it's great to work with such good people, both on the field, the young fellas, and certainly in the backroom team. Uh, it's, it really is uh, great to work with them, and as I said, a lot of them. I've been working with for the last few years and very happy about that but <laughs> when you're on the lane and you're watching ball after ball going wide it's it's it's, it's not really great <laughs> for the heart so you know we have to see how that goes but overall no it's it's it's, it's strong it's enjoyable and once everybody work, is working hard then then um, you're happy like I mean you know results are results but once the hard work is going in and, and you're doing everything you can to get the best out of people that's all you can ever ask for Well Michael congratulations on the victory today and thanks very much for speaking to us and best of luck in the Shield and the Championship Thanks, Robbie. We also heard from the youngest of the Walsh brothers from Tullerone after they had a six-point victory over Shamrocks on Sunday. Shane, uh, congratulations, you're into a league final. It was a great performance, but in saying that, you were eight points down and it was looking bad, but uh, you turned it around and played very good hurling. Yeah, we did, yeah. Uh, we spoke a lot, I suppose, about last year. We came over here, we went 220 to six points down at half time, and we really said we weren't going to let it happen again. And no, we all, it started to happen again, but uh, we just stuck to what we know. We're after doing a lot of work over the last couple of years. Um, and we just stuck to the game plan and eventually we turned it around and we got on top of Ballyhale and just on every any given day I suppose any team's beat and that's what we were uh, we were hoping for anyway You had a great attitude Shane you know at half time went in level come out in the second half got off to a great start and took the scores very well and a great mixture of scores I know you knocked in I think around 12 it was yourself Mossy, uh, Garrod, John Walton Tommy come on some lovely scores taken there today Yeah no we have a superb panel look what we were just saying to there Eugene Tullerone you'd have 15, 16 lads training um, it's a bit different this year we have Bill Cuddy's after travelling back from Wicklow for training there Wednesday, or Wednesday night so we have a lot of lads putting in a massive effort but we can see the impact it has on the field then and to look at calibre players we have Tommy who is one of the best hurlers of all time then we have the future Garo Dunn who's coming who will be the greatest hurler of all time he really well today we, he did no he did uh, he's really coming into his own he had a great All-Ireland win at the start of the year with uh, the, the 20s and uh, to look you can see you can see what he can do there today done very well yourself you'll have to be happy with your own performance league final now Shannon. I know not England yet but an important few days ahead as well no it's so important uh, just to get we have a few niggles and injuries at the moment so it's just getting them right so the league final we'll look forward to that in two weeks time again Bennis Bridge uh, we'll give him a crack about five or six years ago we actually got bound so we probably owe him on now in another league final hopefully Look, it means a lot for a club and to beat Shamrocks is a, a nice tonic but as I said the moral of the story not England won but uh, you've got to the right way today 
No, we did, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we win this, we might get an old dinner dance or something at the end of the year. <laughs> but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. No, look, league final, you're only a step. What we're really aiming for there is the quarter final. So we'll take the league final very serious because you can't turn off, not in Kilkenny anyway, because it's very hard to switch back on. So we'll take the league final very serious, then our folks then straight to be on to the quarter finals. Well, listen, well done today. It's a long time she did commentary with Michael Walsh and myself below in Turles. You're a man now and you're playing well for. Best wishes in the league final. Thanks very much. Thanks, William. 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 Thanks, William
I, I think hopefully I, I've kind of done that and, and spread it out across the county, across both codes. And you mentioned yourself, you're love you like you love the lore and the history within Carlo GAA and alluded to being a bit of a nerd in regards to it. Where did the the starting process begin then? Did it begin with your prior knowledge and then you discovered a whole lot more along the journey? Well, like you know, if if you like if you're if you're doing something, if you like what you do, it'll it'll come easy to you. And this came easy to me. Like I said, first of all, because the writing part, I love writing. I've I've wrote a bit for the paper. I've wrote for a couple of websites over the years. So the writing part, uh, it kind of comes easy to me. I like sitting down in front of the laptop. And as for as for the knowledge, I mean, look, everyone has their their, their subject they're into. For me, it's it's kind of GA and Carlo especially. And like when I sat down to do these to do these 30 interviews with the players um, you know I didn't have any questions or, or interview or anything written down on paper in front of me everything just came from my head and you'd be surprised like like the, the conversations flow with the players like you know a player might pick a game from their career we chatted about that game you know mixing the conversation just morphs into their career and you know their life and, and you know the, you'd be amazed the conversation flows but for me you know, not being too big-headed about it, but it kind of came easy for me because I would have a lot of knowledge of Carlo GA um, from up the years and all the players. So, you know, I knew all the games we're talking about. I knew what to ask him. And, and so by the end of it, they were just they just morphed into just, just flowing conversations. And um, I, I really enjoyed talking to the players. And, you know, I hope they enjoy the reliving some memories for me. And I'm sure when they see it in the book... Um, they'll enjoy seeing their name down and seeing their story back for other three and was it hard then knowing that the length of these conversations can go on when you're truly ingrained within the conversation was it hard from an editorial point of view to be able to condense that down into a book it was, yeah. Um, do you know, like when I sent the book in for publication uh, into the publishers, I, I was worried it wouldn't have enough words. But they actually came back to me in the end and told me I had too much words. <laughs> um, so that, that was that was good, I suppose. But like you talk to some players, some players will talk more than others. That that's fair enough. Some players you could you could have a conversation and you know you might be trying to pull the words out, and other players could talk for two hours. You know. But, but same as anyone will know, like I listen back to the interviews and you type them out and you're just trying to... It's the player's story, even though I'm putting it down in writing. It's, it's the player's story. And I was just listening back to the interviews and just trying to put trying to put it in the right way. That's, that, um, you know, that, that made sense for the reader and made sense for the, for the, for the player as well. Um, but yeah, you know, you had to leave out some parts. But I, I, I think I kind of... Hopefully I've I done a good job anyway. And... Does it go back then as far, like, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of current players that are still involved within Carlo GEA, but how far did you have to go back to be able to get some of the stories? Yeah, well, so, like, there's there's 30 players in the book um, across football in Ireland, like I said, from the 1960s up to the modern day. Um, so we started in the 60s, we went back to Moling Morrissey, and Moling Morrissey played in the 1962 Carlo team that won the All-Ireland Intermediate. He actually told me that he, that was that was the game he picked in 1962 intermediate final against Galway. But he actually told me he made a debut for Carlo in 1959 when he was only under 16. Um, so and it was fascinating to talk to him playing against Christy Ring and all these fellas. Um, so so you know, you Morley Morrissey in the 60s and Tommy Cork and Grace Rogue and, and Carlo player. Um, Tommy talked about playing in the 60s and talked about a famous Aero game from the 60s. And then we went up to the 70s, you know, the likes of Richie Moore, um, Cyril Hughes, Paddy Quirk, 
onto the 80s, um, like the Tommy Dwyer, um, these fellas, then into the 90s, Johnny Nevin, Sean Kavanagh, Pat Cody, um, and then onto the more modern era, the 2000s and the modern day, you know, Simon Ray, Brian Kelly, um, Paul Broderick, Marty Kavanagh, John Murphy, Daniel St. Ledger. Um, you know, so there's there's a there's a wonderful mix of um, of players across both codes. And I think like if you're a football man and you don't you know enjoy hurling as much, I think you'll still you'll still enjoy the stories. You know, because it's not it, it's Carlo GA and there's just there's just some fascinating stories. And some players were were very good. They you know they ended up talking about both their personal life, not too personal like, but you know just family and thanking their family and just. Um, so you know, so some of the interviews kind of went very. They were very enjoyable, you know, and they went um, they went very far. So I was very um, very happy with how it turned out. Yeah, we got to sit down with Pat Cody there very recently. Percent Mullins man, Carlo legend, and he was just telling us about his debut and the kind of kerfuffle yeah. that was surrounding that. Does that end up making it into the book? Uh, I think so. It's funny because when I was talking to one or two players, and Pat was one. He might, he might, hopefully, he doesn't mind me saying this, but one or two players were, were kind of um, were kind of hazy on the details. And I think Pat, <laughs> Pat mentioned the match. Um, he scored two goals in, and um, I, I was kind of looking back over the archives. Then and I was, I, I rang him up and I was like, Pat, that game you're on about was the wrong game. <laughs> it was a year later, and he was like, Oh, so I, I got, I get mixed up in the details. So, but he did, he did talk about his county debut. Um, in fairness, uh, he he mentioned that he had played a game for St Mullins, and he came out of the dressing room. And um, former Carlow secretary, who since passed Tommy O'Neill, to an Ireland man, he said Tommy gave him a letter with an invitation to join the county panel. I suppose that then things don't happen anymore, uh, letters and stuff. But it, it was it was a nice nod to the past. That's how you were called into the county panel. But that that's um, he mentions that that was his first um, that was his first introduction to the Carlow panel, getting the letter from Tommy O'Neill. And John, where can people get the book? Then is it? It's not out as of yet, is it? It's not. It's out online at the minute from the thirty-first of August, um, which was just during the week there. So it's available on Amazon.co.uk. It's available to buy online. It's going to be available on an ebook in the next week or two, and the book will hopefully be in in local shops around Carlow um, from next Friday. It should be in Easton this week, and I'll be going around myself putting it in local shops. But we're actually having five launches around the to- around the county. Um, talking to Liam Hayes and the publishing company, they kind of wanted to you know to get to get to the heart of the county and to bring it to the clubs and stuff. So um, I can give you the dates for the launches if you want. To that, that'd be great, yeah. Um, so next Thursday, September the eighth, we're going to Ireland GA Clubhouse. The following night, Friday the ninth, we're going to Aero Clubhouse. On Friday the sixteenth of September, we're going to Palatine. GA Clubhouse and on Wednesday the 28th of September we're going to the Railway House in Bagnallstown and the following night Thursday September 29th we're going to Lawler's Bar in Rathfilly um, and like we did, we're trying to spread it around the county and any player from any club and any member from any club is welcome to any launch like you know just because it's in Tenor Island or Pal or Airog, it's not it's not just those members we're just trying to spread it out and that's how we expect Bagnallstown and Rathfilly but anyone it's hopefully that, um, it's hopeful that the five nights will get good crowds you know between club members families friends and um, because it's kind of a celebration of Carlo GA and a lot of players who meet up in the night mightn't have met up for years and I'll be there myself in the night and Lean Hayes will be there and there'll be books available to buy on each launch night so anyone that comes um, they, they, they have the option to buy the book on the night 
Well, seeing as you're a Tin Ryland man and you're going to be in Tin Ryland GEA Club on September 8th, there might be calls to make an amendment to that book after Danny Moore sinking that stoppage time score to earn Tin Ryland a one point win over Air Rogue at the weekend. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be looking for a free book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in relation to Tin Ryland as well, you're a proud Tin Ryland man. You're quite happy with how things are going? Yeah, I'm proud Tin Ryland man. Born and reared in Tin Ryland, went to school there, grew up there. Um, played for the Water Blue and White Hoops for many years. Uh, actually, living in Kerry at the minute for the last ten years, um, playing football in hurling down here. But I uh, look, no matter where you are in the country, home is home. Um, you know, Carlow is home for me. Tin Ryland is home for me. Um, so yeah, I'm delighted to see him doing so well. Um, like I said, 1981 since they won it the last time. They haven't even won it in my lifetime. So um, oh, I'd, I'd be over the moon if we could get over the line this year or an, any year soon I think it's well overdue for the club anyway they're football mad out in, in Tin Ireland adding a 16th title to the, the history books there uh, just before I let you go as well Steve O'Mara he was talking out kind of giving out about uh, some pundits saying that Tin Ireland have a pension for being a bit too defensive now I don't know if you got to see many of the games or anything like that but would you agree with, with uh, Steve's assessment that it's an unfair kind of label to be putting on them well, look. I mean, the only the only worst thing about being talked about is not being talked about. And you know, it was, it was the same when, when Carlo. When uh, it reminds me that comment, kind of the time Torlock O'Brien was with Carlo. Like when Carlo were getting well beaten, there was no one talking about them. And then when Torlock O'Brien came in to manage Carlo, they were playing defensive football. People were giving out about them, and they were on podcasts and TV and so. But they were winning games, you know. And no matter what style Tyrell are winning, they're winning games. And like, I think the day is long gone in football where it's um, you know it's fifteen against fifteen. You're already about your own man. Tactics have gone so far in football now, um, and I just think it's all about winning. And like I said, Tyrell haven't won it in so long. So clubs and counties have to do what they have to do to win. You know, and like I say, it's a results-based business, and it's all about winning. So. I think um, whether you're a Tyrone Island or a Carlow supporter or whatever, I don't, I don't think anyone will care what way they're playing as long as they're winning games, you know. Well, it's all in the history books. Well, John, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'll be picking up our coverage of the Carlow Senior Football Championship when it returns and we'll be picking up a copy of the book as well. It's out online, as you said, and then you'll be doing a tour of the county very, very soon. So sounds very exciting. But yes, 30 of Carlow's greatest players and 70 years of Carlow football and hurling to be treasured. John, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. Thanks a million. Thank you. That's John Kelly there who wrote that book that I just said, Carlo, Game of My Life. Fascinating stuff. Online now and going to be in all good bookstores very, very soon. Coming to a GEA club around Carlo near you very soon. Stick around on Scoreline. Lots more still to come. KCLR's Edwina Grace also cut up with Wexford man Tyg Furlong. Here's what he had to say. Tag Furlong, you are the name, I suppose, uh, behind the new name, the brand uh, ambassador for Tier Lawn. How are you feeling about it? Ah, it's great. You know, it's great, and to see the work that's gone in, and and everything behind it, and what it means, and what it'll keep meaning for people in rural Ireland, but a lot of employees as well, and uh, it's worldwide, really. It's great. 
you're a man of the land yourself and you, you spoke uh, very uh, nicely about the the relevance and I suppose everything else that Glambia meant to your own family inside and, and now what Tirlon will mean going forward with the, with your connection? Yeah, obviously come from a, a farming family. Um, we have a part-time farm in Camp Island, South Wexford there, just outside New Ross. So my grandfather would have, um, you know, ran the yard in the local co-op. He was the foreman down there. And my father trained as a butcher in his local co-op as well in Camp Island. So I suppose it's, it holds a place in my family's history, but also I suppose we use it use it day to day in in the in our farming lives as well. And your other first love, I suppose, uh, rugby. Can I can I ask you, looking back in hindsight of the Irish Tour New Zealand, where does that rank in your playing career? I'd say my first love is food, actually. But uh, in terms of rugby, yeah, it was great. Um, it's a very, very hard place to go. And it's always special when you create a little bit of history within the team. So to get the first win, the first test um, series results on New Zealand soil was, was huge for the group. And I suppose the next challenge is really trying to put it together again this year and, and not be happy with it. And, and just keep trying to get better because uh, World Cup on the horizon. How's pre-season going for Leinster? It's good. Uh, I suppose the internationals, we got a five-week break and um, we're back in train now. This is uh, a week and a half. So um, plenty to work on. Uh, the summer was good to all of us. So quit back into shape quickly and um, really looking forward to the year ahead. Benetton coming up. Uh, what's the hope for the province? Yeah, they're actually playing on Friday um, in a pre-season friendly against Har- so it'll be interesting to see how that lads goes. I'll probably a few weeks post the Benton game before I get back. But um, there's some big games there between Ulster and Munster, and uh, a few Friday night games against Italian teams. So um, can't wait. And, and the November internationals are on the horizon fairly quick after that. So it's a real busy, busy time of the season for us. We're probably flat out now to Christmas Eve before we take another breath. So it's just trying to get to the shoulder to wheel and go. And finally for now it, today is all about Tirlana and your your brand ambassadorship I suppose of that an exciting future an exciting combination there for you yeah I hope so it's great and I'm sitting standing in new headquarters here and it's very very impressive so I think the, the vision and um, I suppose the growth the company has shown is uh, puts it in good place for the future and uh, exciting new chapters lying ahead for the company As always, we checked in with Joe Sheehan to talk all things greyhound racing. Here we go. The big one is on tonight. The third round of the 2022 Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby. Over €266,000 prize money in the pot for connections. It's a cracking derby, perhaps one of the best of all times. And local interest is at an all-time high. Fantastic to see. Let's get straight into the action. So, in Shelburne Park tonight, kicks off at quarter past seven the first heat and we have a very strong local runner here in the form of Droopy's nice one for John Coleman and trainer Mert Lahey who has a strong team in the Irish Greyhound Derby this year right beside Droopy's nice one in trap six in the stripes for the buggy family of Bagnallstown County Carlow's Kilgraney Clang looking to make its mark on this year's Derby ran exceptionally well last week staying on strongly and Droopy's nice one and Kilgraney Clang could well be in the mix at the business end of affairs in the first heat of the third round tonight 
forward on to the third heat of the third round and Barefoot Supremo carries local hopes here for Paul Hennessy and Brian and Kathleen Murphy of the Cayman Islands finished well to come third in a clock of 29.58 last week and is certainly an improving type we will see Barefoot Supremo in action around 13 minutes to 8 remember you can catch it all on the Barking Buzz app where you can see the action of the Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby. In the fourth heat, Priceless Jet, the English Greyhound Derby finalist of this year, broke the track record in Toaster for Paul Hennessy and his team as well. He stays on like a train. He runs from the stripes of Trap 6 tonight and has a big, big shout. Indeed, is tipped to win. And what a servant he has been for connection. So best of luck to Paul Hennessy and his team there in the fourth heat. In the fifth heat, we have Stories Peewee for Gavin O'Mahony, a wonderful supporter of the game, and Mert Lahey. He won last week, 29.54 the clock, and certainly has a big chance in this one. Beach Avenue runs from trap six in the stripes. What a fantastic servant he has been. He's over four and almost four and a half years of age, and the Pat Healy owned and Paul Hennessy trained Beach Avenue is an all-time favourite with Greyhound connections, and we look forward to seeing him in action tonight from the stripes of Trap 6 in the 5th heat. In the 6th heat, All About Ted carries local hopes here for Peter Cronin of Moonkine is in perhaps the toughest heat and what is one of the finest Irish Greyhound Derby heats we have ever witnessed in the history of the sport with Coolavani Hoffa immediately to his left in the orange jacket of trap number five for the O'Donovan family. He won last week in 29-13. He starts, he stays, he has it all, he ticks all the boxes and is a warm favourite for outright favourite for the Irish Greyhound Derby and right beside Coolavani Hoffa is Ballinambola Ed who won in 29-27 last week for the Pat Buckley Kennel is an absolute superstar and we are going to see some battle in the 6th heat of the Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby 3rd round tonight in the 8th heat Stories Cash Out another one of Mert Lahey's runners goes tonight he's another one who stays on strong a very young greyhound and an improving type should leave his mark in the 8th heat of the Irish Greyhound Derby. So 48 Greyhounds remain in the competition. Shane O'Keefe, our wonderful tipster in KCLR, is on 92 points in the Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium tipping competition. I'm on 100. There's not much between us, so keep an eye on the standings there. You can check them all out on kilkennygreyhoundstadium.com where there's €2,000 waiting for the winner of the Irish Greyhound Derby tipping competition. So lots to look forward to elsewhere from a local point of view. We had a cracking night of action last night in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium for the JAG Building Services and Kilkenny Goba A1 Derby. What a cracking night of action it was and fantastic crowd in our local track last night. Saw us good job. Got proceedings off to a phenomenal start, winning in 28-86 for the Chisel Syndicate and Mert Lahey. Some really nice performances there. Leah's Duke winning in 28-71 in the second heat for the Weedick Syndicate. Beauty Quick Step, who of course won the Boyle Sports A3 Bitch Competition, winning 5,000 euro for connections not so long ago. Took the third heat, 28-92, staying on very, very strong. But in the fourth heat, we had the most impressive winner of the night, Deadly Showtime, winning in 28-46. He has competed at the very highest level for Carl Ramsbottom and the Blue Light Syndicate went off at one to two odds on favourite and he ran accordingly took 
on the honours in the fourth heat. Sober Diamond was the winner of the fifth heat in 28.99 for the Button Syndicate and trainer Declan Byrne. Muffin was the winner of the sixth heat in 28.62, staying on stoutly and giving a fine performance indeed. One for the notebooks for owner trainer David Hennon. The other, Ollie, took the seventh heat for owner trainer Jennifer O'Donnell, a very shrewd lady indeed, came in at odds of three to one after facing traffic in the race. Stayed on well to take that one. And last but not least, Delirium Trims won the eighth heat. Time of 28.81 for the Back to Mackey Syndicate. And Mert Lahieu co- completed a double last night. And of course, he'll be looking for a double or maybe a triple in Shelburne Park tonight with his fine team of runners in the Irish Greyhound Derby third round. So best of luck to all our local runners in the Irish Greyhound Derby third round tonight in Shelburne Park. A massive local team here really really good chances and I'm sure they will give a fantastic account of of themselves so very very best to look to them we will look forward to hopefully a number of them perhaps all of them making it through to next week's quarterfinals of the Irish Greyhound Derby and thanks again to Boyle Sports for their fantastic sponsorship over 266,000 short prize money it's phenomenal it's the biggest competition in the Greyhound calendar and we are really looking forward to that tonight elsewhere in from a local perspective the Jag Building Services and Kilkenny Goba 9,000 euro to the winner of this one that continues next week with the second round and produced some astonishing action last night and really really fantastic Greyhounds left in that one and also the Peter Meany Memorial novice competition starts next Friday as well so plenty to look forward to in Kilkenny next Friday night and also in Shelburne Park tonight for the third round of the Boyd Sports Irish Greyhound Derby best of luck to all local connections And finally, we spoke to Colm Cronin from the Irish NFL show to talk about everything that's happening in the National Football League in America. Season. Yes, the NFL season is coming back. We love talking a bit about the football. Well, we get confused with football, Gaelic football. We're not allowed to call soccer or anything but football. But we're talking American football, of course. And there's only one man. There's only one man we can ever talk to about American football here. It is Colin Cronin from the football show, the Irish NFL show, I should say. You may have seen him on Virgin TV. And Virgin have announced that they're going to be playing some NFL as well. So it's going to be a very exciting time. It's very exciting getting to talk to Colm and uh, we're going to welcome him to the show. Colm? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it, it's It's been, NFL is incredibly long off season uh, and despite all the stories that have gone on, it's uh, it's real football that, that you want to see. You want to see where the tackles matter and the touchdowns count. So very, very excited about uh, Thursday night. There's been you know, such a build up to this. So many storylines in week one. So much to look forward to over the the course of the the season. Honestly, if uh, if I could uh, teleport myself to uh, one thirty on uh, Friday Friday morning, which is when it'll all kick off, I'd do so gladly now. Yeah, and no doubt the kind of coverage that's going to be put out there by Virgin Media is going to continue to bring the NFL to a new audience, which has a knock on effect then on the Irish NFL show. Yeah, absolutely. We um, we spoke um, with uh, Henry Hodgson, who is now the GM of NFL UK, 
And Henry had been in California for the last decade or so involved in kind of the internationalization of the game. And the NFL brought in Brett Dosper, who some listeners may know from his time as head of world rugby. So they're really interested in growing the sport internationally. Um, Brett's been in probably around about a year and a half at this point. So you're really beginning to see it grow. The game in Germany, Shane, had nearly three quarters of a million people in the queue. I know people uh, here were, were uh, eager to get Garth Brooks tickets, but uh, the German queues <laughs> for um, the NFL game in Munich were incredible. Um, and it sounds like we're going to see you know, more games, maybe uh, Barcelona, Paris. We're obviously eager for, for Dublin. The college game last week was great crack. And um, we had Rod, Rod Woodson, a legendary um, figure of the game, one of the, the greatest kind of um, secondary players to, to ever play. He played cornerback, he played safeties in the Hall of Fame. He was in Dublin in the coaching clinic today. So the, the, the popularity of the sport is definitely growing. And I think the deals, like you mentioned, um, where Virgin Media will be showing the um, Super Bowl on a terrestrial channel will only help us. You're talking about the games in Germany and we've seen games in London and I believe it was just college games that have come to the Aviva Stadium. Would you imagine that the NFL, seeing the work that's been put in by terrestrial TV and seeing the likes of yourselves getting big names from the NFL kind of community, would you imagine that an NFL game would come to the shores? I'd say it could be a possibility in the future. I I do think, you know... um, Spain and France are probably next on the list. But we we did have, once upon a time, we had a preseason game when the Steelers came over, um, when that was the, the Rooney family, obviously their close connections to Ireland. But the game last week um, may definitely kind of caught eyes. The other thing about it, I suppose, Shane, is the, the Giants played in London in 2007 yeah. and they won the Super Bowl that year. That changed teams' perspectives because teams had worried up to that point if they went internationally, it was totally going to disrupt their season and that they wouldn't, you know, they, there's no chance they'd be able to win the Super Bowl. So for them to see a team go abroad and be able to win and, and still get win the Super Bowl, I think that will begin the process. Now, it's taken a long time, but the fact that you, you are now seeing um, teams market themselves individually in particular countries is another sign the way in which things are opening up. So I, I would say it's not imminent, but I would be hopeful that maybe within the next decade or so, you might well see a game in Dublin. It's very interesting that you mentioned marketing because you've seen the Formula One success with Drive to Survive happening on Netflix and how that's opening themselves to an American audience with drama and so forth. Uh, Recently then, you've had Rob McElhenney on the Welcome to Wrexham show on Disney Plus where himself and Ryan Reynolds bought a club in northeast Wales and he was talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. And of course then that documentary that seemed to have gripped the world about Mante Teo and the untold story that Netflix produced as well. Stories like that are probably going to get people more invested within the NFL from outside of America. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think there there are 
um, incredible stories within the NFL and once the season gets going, it's it's difficult to emphasize just how big um, the the NFL is in America. Um, so one of the kind of crazier stats I heard recently uh, was that the Lions-Steelers preseason game, that's just a preseason game. These aren't two franchises who have like a whole lot of history or anything like that. Neither of them are particularly good this year. And that game um, drew a larger audience audience than game six of the Stanley Cup final, which was the decider for ice hockey last season. That kind of tells you just how big it is in, in the States. And I imagine, uh, you know, that you will, they will, they will have seen, um, you know, as you mentioned, the, the growth of Formula One. Um, so, yes, I would not be at all surprised. We, we've seen little bits and pieces of it probably around the, the kind of, um, the college football and, and things on um, Netflix. We've never really seen it on the NFL level, but I would not be at all surprised if we were to see um, something like that happen because um, the the some of the owners in the NFL, some of the richest people on the face of the planet, they uh, they will ensure, I suppose, that, uh, that their sport remains king, both in America and their desire to grow it around the world. We mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, I believe they've made, what, three Super Bowl appearances, obviously winning back in 2017 against the New England Patriots. Uh, they have a new safety on board with them now as well. What are the perceptions of the Philadelphia Eagles going into this? Um, a few people have them picked as maybe outsiders for the Super Bowl trophy. Yeah, I uh, definitely. My one of my co-hosts is a big Giants fan. He wouldn't be Brian wouldn't be a big fan of the Eagles, but I really like what the Eagles have done. I, I think they did a great job this off season in terms of bringing in talent on both sides of the football, both in terms of free agency but also in the draft. And what happens is, Shane, that over the last few weeks, a lot of teams, they've had to trim their rosters down from 90 to 53. So there's a lot of guys who end up getting cut for financial reasons. And the Eagles have done a good job of picking up one or two players. It's come down to their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who's now entering the third year in the league, only second as a starter. I I don't know if Jalen Hurts is an elite QB. But I don't think he has to be an elite QB. I think if Jalen Hurts is anywhere between top 10 to top 12 QB, the Eagles are serious contenders. They have the best run game potentially in the entire uh, league, not because it's based on their who their running back talent is, but because how how good their offensive line is. You can't run the ball on them. They're so stout up front. And there's some really nice um work done to add pieces to the secondary. Um, so their cornerback room looks a, a lot, lot better than it did last year. So to me, I can absolutely see why people are thinking that the Eagles in uh, Nick Sirianni's um, second season um, as well could be uh, one to, to keep an eye on. Definitely a dark horse because the other thing is the NFC is not stacked with talent outside of the the Rams um, who are missing some pieces from last year the Packers who you know can Aaron Rodgers elevate those wide receivers and the Tampa Bay Bucks who obviously have a new head coach and look Tom Brady is Tom Brady you'd never bet against him but he did go missing for 10 days I was going to bring it up really knows, nobody knows what happened well, you can't mention the NFL without talking about Tom Brady. 45 years old, just a, a tremendous... It's, it's 23rd season, something like that. But the coach that he won the Super Bowl with, Bruce Arians, he says 
he's thrown better than ever. Not only is he maintaining his excellence, he's actually getting better. How can that be possible? Yeah, I suppose it's, uh, you get this a, a little bit at, at this time of the year where um, these guys make some uh, pronouncements and um, you might want to take it like with a, a little bit of, of salt. Uh, I, I, what comes to mind is uh, Trey Sermon, um, who uh, was with the 49ers and John Lynch, their GM, said that he had been one of their best players throughout camp. Uh, well, less than a week later, they cut uh, Trey Sermon. So there's a there there's a lot that goes into what's said in front of the press. I think maybe they're looking to to protect Brady. It's Tom Brady. I still expect a double digit win season, Shane. But I I don't think all is well there. I I I, th- I thought we saw it moments last year. Don't get me wrong, the guy is still a fantastic, fantastic quarterback. And to be doing what he is doing at 45 is ridiculous. He is one of the top five guys in the league. But I just thought that maybe it wasn't the Tom Brady of, of old. Um, I think he's he's there for kind of one last rodeo. Um, and, and again, when he looks around the NFC, I think he probably thought, why not give it one more go? And the, given the talent that the Tampa Bay Bucks have brought in, that wide receiving room is a, a veritable who's who of receiving talent in the league. Julio Jones was the wide receiver for. It's almost ridiculous. He will. They, they will undoubtedly be there or thereabouts. But I just think that they they might, uh, when they run into, say, the Rams or the Packers in the postseason, I think they'll have a real battle on their hands. And before I let you go, Colm, uh, MVP, a lot of talk always starts at the start of the year and some people have Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes from Kansas City Chiefs. But the name that people are talking about and maybe someone who can possibly establish themselves as the best quarterback in the NFL this season, Buffalo Bills' Josh Allen. What do you make of that? Yeah, but Allen is, is an immense talent. And I think sometimes, right, what happens, Shane, is it's, it almost feels like oh, Allen just had this breakout year in year three and he was hopeless prior to that. Josh Allen has always been a great QB. Even going into the draft, some people felt that his arm talent meant he should go number one. Uh, he, he Obviously, that didn't happen, but the Bills went up and they have built around him. They've done a really good job of building around him. He has developed and improved every single year. I can absolutely see why he would be in the, the running for, for MVP. The big question for the Bills is, can they mentally get over those 13 seconds that cost them uh, their season last year? If they win early, then I think all will be well. If they don't, then they could start pointing fingers. I think it'll probably be, I can, Hatcham Holmes will be there, but I think the other one to keep an eye on might be Justin Herbert with the, the Chargers. The Chargers have done a fantastic job of um, you know putting talent again around Herbert in the off season, they need to allow him to throw the ball deep. They've kind of kept him on a leash over his first two years in the the league. If they allow him off that leash in year three, he himself and the Chargers could be not just uh, you know playoff bound, but they could be real contenders for the Super Bowl. Colin, where can we find all this knowledge online? I know we have to condense everything that you know into this tiny little format, but where can we find everything that you know online? Uh, you can find us across social media at the Irish NFL Show. We, we're very active uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. Also, check out our YouTube channel. We have a, a couple of competitions going at the moment, and we will have a special episode 
uh, with Rod Woodson coming out tomorrow night, uh, wow. Monday at uh, around about nine, and our pre-season uh, preview uh, will be coming out on Wednesday. So it's all kicking off this week, Shane. Colm, absolute pleasure as always to chat about a sport that not a lot of us knew a lot about a couple of years ago that's really coming to its ascension within Ireland and Europe as well. Colm, always a pleasure, sir. Thanks, Shane. Colm Cronin from the Irish NFL show. Now, when we come back, we'll be catching up with Marin Quilty, who is obviously one of our commentators on all things Camogie and one of the presenters on our Come On Kind, our Camogie podcast. So stick around on Scoreline. Don't go anywhere. And that's all for another edition of Scoreline Extra. Don't forget you can catch the live show every Saturday and Sunday from 2pm. I'll chat to you again next week. Mm-hmm.